you ever done something at one time or another in your life that was so bad you wish you could take it back? I mean, seriously, something so grievously and offensive that you spent days, months, if not years after regretting that you ever took part in it at all. And I'm not just talking about any ordinary circumstance or situation. I'm talking about a situation or a circumstance so bad that you found all you could do was go to God about it in prayer. And not just with a need, you know, a need me prayer. God, I need this. God, I need that. I'm talking about earnestly praying that God would take away the guilt and the shame of your past mistakes or actions. And knowing that at that very moment, it would only be God that could help you get through it. What I'm talking about is the time where you actually came to yourself and realized at that very moment that it was no one else but you. Yes, you. You're the one that had messed up. And not only had you messed up, but you came to the realization that you were messed up individual. Have you ever got to the point where you're so sick and tired of being sick and tired of yourself? You know what I mean. The point where you're tired of the way you are, tired of the person that you have allowed yourself to become. But without a doubt, you know that only God can change you and your circumstance. I am Elder Shanina Walker, and today on Let's Wrap, we'll be covering this three-part series entitled, Change Me. So let's wrap. Our scripture today is going to be coming from Psalms, the 51st chapter, beginning at the 10th through the 12th verse. And it reads, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. As I begin to study this entire chapter of Psalms 51, I couldn't help but feel the failure and the guilt of David's heart in the tone of his writing, just leaping off of the pages before me. This passage of scripture, it engulfs the very essence of what it means to repent for wrongdoing. Now, David shows us very clearly in the midst of his agony, in the midst of his pain, what it looks like to go to our heavenly father, but not only go to him, but to cry to him for change. One thing we all have in common, no matter where we're from, no matter how messed up we might be, all of us are in desperate need of God's mercy as David is here today. The truth of the matter is our only hope is in God. He and he alone is the only one that possesses the power to change us. He alone has the power to create in us a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within us. Before we can begin to look at David's confession in this Psalms 51, for those of you who might not be familiar with the history of David's life, I need to give you a little background information concerning David and what had happened in his life that led him to this place of repentance. First Samuel, the 16th chapter, gives us a look into David's life. Now, after God had rejected King Saul for his disobedience, God sent Samuel the prophet to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, with clear instructions he would provide for himself a king among Jesse's sons. So Samuel did just as the Lord had instructed him. He went to make sacrifices unto the Lord. As we take a closer look at 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, we can clearly see that Samuel did not go alone. The Bible says that he instructed the town elders to sanctify themselves 
and the also come along to the feast. The Bible also says that he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice also. As he began to look around, Samuel laid eyes on Eliab, one of Jesse's older sons, and assumed surely the Lord's anointing is on this one. Samuel tried to choose Eliab because of his height and how good he looked, but God told him, don't look at those qualities. This is not the one. For you see, it was right here where God allowed us to take a look and see that those qualifications might be all right for man's approval, for man qualifications, but not for God. God is not looking at us the same way man looks at us. For the Bible tells us that man looks at the outer appearance, but God is looking at our hearts. So Jesse sent all of his seven sons from the oldest to the youngest before Samuel. And each time God said, no, that's not the one. He's not the one either. That's not the one that I have chosen. And then Samuel said unto Jesse, are all of your sons here? Jesse answered, I have one more son, the youngest. He is tending the sheep. So they sent for David. And while they waited, no one was allowed to eat until he arrived. The Bible says, when Samuel saw David, the Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him for he is the one. Now, according to scholars, God chose David when he was between the age of 13 or 15 years old. But what the Lord began to reveal to me that if it was left up to David's father, Jesse, or any of his seven brothers, David would have never been chosen. Oh no, because he was one of the ones, the least ones they expected to be chosen. You see, David was the one that they cast to the side, constantly overlooking him. He was the one they placed out in the wilderness with the bears and the lions, probably hoping that he'd get devoured while watching over the sheep. He was one of the ones that they used as an errand boy to serve the soldiers and his older brothers. He was the one that they didn't even think enough of to bring with them to, the, to be sanctified by Samuel or even given the opportunity to attend the sacrifice. But what I love about God is no matter what man think about you, no matter how your brothers and sisters may be looking at you, God doesn't look at you the way man's looking at you. God is looking at your heart. Now the Bible says that Samuel took the horn and anointed David in the midst of his brothers to be king over Israel. Yeah, that's right. In the midst of his brothers, God yet anointed David to be king over Israel. And it says from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord, it was upon him. So I don't care who may be trying to disregard you, who may want to push you to the side. God is going to anoint you in the midst of your brothers and sisters, despite how they look at you, despite how they look over you, despite what's happening around you, despite what you've been through, despite what they've done to you, despite the opposing forces and oppositions that's coming up against you, despite despite how they lie on you and talk about you, God knows your name and he sees your heart and he's about to anoint you in the midst of your brothers and sisters. One thing about God, God has a way of taking you from the back of the line and putting you in the front of the line. The Bible says out of all those that were present, the, everybody that was present, the elders were present, David's father were present. His seven brothers were present. Even Samuel, the prophet was present, but the Bible says that no one could eat until David was present. God is not going to let anyone eat until you come to the table. No wonder David could boldly say in Psalms 23, he said, 
He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And I want you to know today that God is preparing a table before you right now in the presence of your enemies. And not one of them will be able to sit down at that table until you are present. No doubt someone is asking a question right now. What do you mean, Elder Walker? He prepared a table before David in the presence of his enemies. Why would you be calling David's brothers and his father his enemies? Now, throughout my study, I couldn't help but notice and clearly see that his brothers, even his father, had an issue with him. I couldn't help, as inquisitive as I am, begin to ask the Lord, what was their issue with David? Now, as we begin to look back at what I've already discussed, we can clearly see it's evident that Jesse, in fact, had a total of eight sons. So why did they feel it necessary to exclude David? Why was it that he was being disregarded? At first, I thought it was because he was just too young to maybe attend the sacrifice or, uh, and then I remembered that Samuel was just a boy when God called him. So why was it that his brothers and his father had an issue with him? Okay. You're still not convinced. You're saying elder Walker, what gives you that impression? Well, the Bible says in first Samuel 17 and 28, that David's father sent him to the battlefield to take food to the soldiers and to his older brothers. And as he went to greet them, he heard this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine by the name of Goliath defying Israel and the armies of the living God. So David began to ask the question, what would happen to this man who kills this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, what you need to know and understand is just before David arrived, Goliath was saying the exact same thing to find the armies of God. But the Bible says that Saul and all of Israel, including his brothers, heard these words and were dismayed. The Bible says they were greatly afraid. But here comes David, now the youngest of all the brothers, no doubt maybe the youngest of all the soldiers. Here he comes talking about what will y'all give me if I take care of this problem, Goliath. Now the Bible says when his older brother Eliab heard him, he became angry with David saying, why did you come here? Here it appears David was just obeying his father, taking them food, seeing that there was a problem and being more than confident that he was the one to be able to handle the problem. But his older brother Eliab started in on him, no doubt, like many times before, but first giving a condescending comment saying, with whom have you left those few little sheep in the wilderness? In other words, don't you have some other place you could be? Surely there is something else you need to be doing, like taking care of those few little sheep. Then the Bible says that Eliab goes on to say, I know the presumption and the evilness of your heart for you have come down that you might see the battle. Now we begin to look at the word presumption. Presumption means pride. He said to David, I know the presumption. I know the pride of your heart. I know your behavior is perceived as arrogant. I know that the disrespectfulness of your heart. He said, I know the presumption, meaning the transgressions that transgresses the limit of what God's permitted or appropriate. So he began to say to David, I know the pride in your heart and the evilness, meaning moral, wrong, bad, wicked, evil deeds. 
Eliab goes on to say, for you have come down that you might see the battle. He knew David had came with an interior motive. However, he only assumed David was coming just to see the battle. He in actuality had no idea that David had every intention in fighting in the battle. Now David answered him saying, uh, or better yet denying he had any motives at all saying, what have I done now? As to say, you're always picking on me. What now? Is there not a cause? So as we begin to look at this, we can clearly see that there was some type of tension going on within the family dynamics. Now I need you to stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. The spirit led me over to Psalm 69. It is here that it became clear. We begin to see a better picture of what was really going on within the dynamics of David's family. David here draws us a clear picture of the pain, the rejection and the hardship that he was facing from his own family. David talks about in this particular chapter of Psalm 69, that he was being an outcast among his family. He's saying, for I am a foreigner to my own family. What does that say to you? He said, I'm a foreigner to my own family. They don't even know me. They, they cast me or they treat me like a total stranger. He said, I'm a stranger to my own mother's children. Right about here, David was making reference to my own mother's children as if they were not even his fleshly brothers and sisters at all. He said, my own mother's children. Things were so bad within the family dynamics that David no longer even identified or felt like he was a part of the family. In other words, David had been treated so badly and David had experienced so much scorn going on, not only within the family, but the Bible tells us that even in the community, he said it got so bad to the point where the community, they assumed that David was full of sin and guilt. David wrote himself in the fourth verse. He said, if something turned up missing, they believed that he had stole it. They forced him to replace it. When we look down in that 20th verse in the 21st verse, David begins to say, he said, insults and reproach have broke my heart. David is letting us know here that he's been insulted so much. He's experienced so much reproach that his heart was broke right, clear right here in Psalm 69, that 20 and that 21st verse. Um, he said he was the object of jokes and pranks as he wrote. He said, they gave me gall for meat and they filled my cup with vinegar and drink. So David was letting us know all the things that he had endured and all the, the hard things that he had went through at the hand of his own family members. But what I love about God is despite the pain of your, his past, despite the dysfunction of David's family, God still chose David and anointed David to be king over Israel. Despite what you're going through right now in your life, despite the dysfunction that you suffered at the hands of someone else as a child, God is still going to use you. God is still going to anoint you for the position. God is still going to anoint you to go to where he's trying to take you to. All we have to do is just learn how to, like David, how to wait on God. So although David had been chosen at a young age, David had to wait. We see that it was 17 years that David was in training, facing many difficulties, many situations, many circumstances, many threats on his life, waiting to take his God chosen position. One thing as people of God, we have to learn today is how to wait on God. We have to be willing to serve, how to will, be willing to wait on God to move us into the position. David was serving while he was waiting patiently to be the next king. The Bible says he served under Saul, the current king, all while knowing he was already appointed for the position. We have to know how to serve, even though we already know we're appointed. That means 
He was being refined. He was being taught. He was being prepared. He was watching and learning what to do and what not to do to learn how to reign as king. A lot of us, unlike David, would have messed up. Because as soon as we would have heard the word chosen, as soon as the oil would have been put on our head, serving would have been out of the question. We would have been plotting on how to manipulate and trying to find a way how to overthrow the kingdom. But David, as a young boy, served as a son and played the heart, soothing the king as he dealt with his own issues. Many of us, as soon as we saw a sign of a weakness, as soon as we saw a place to attack, we would have been looking for a way to get rid of the reigning king. But nowhere in my studies did I read that as a young man growing up in the kingdom that David set out to do harm to Saul. Although many a times he had the means and he had the access, he did not, nor did he allow anyone else to touch the reigning king. No matter how much King Saul pursued after David to kill him, David never, ever retaliated. Another thing that we have to learn as people of God is that when God has chosen you and called you to position, we don't have to fight our battles. The Lord will fight our battles. The Lord told the Bible tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord himself will lift up a standard against him. The Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. There is no need for you to fight in this battle. Why? Because the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. David was a young man and he realized himself that being young, he had not yet experienced enough to know how to handle the responsibility of what it meant to be king. And in our closing of Change Me, O God, part one, a lot of things in our lives that we've been asking God for, we have not yet received. Why? Because God knows that you are not able to handle the responsibility of what it means to have these things. God already knows. The Bible tells us he knows the very intent and the thought of our heart. He already knows what your intentions are for getting that thing. He already knows if you're going to be able to handle it or not. God knows that you need to be taught more. He knows that you need more discipline in your life. God knows that you need to sit and learn how to serve before you can expect to be served. God already knows that we need to love more and have more empathy for people. God knows that we need to learn how to give before we can expect to be given unto. What we have to understand as people of God, that if God gives you the thing that you're asking him for and you're not ready for it, you're not going to be capable of handling everything that he wants to put inside of you. And if you're not capable of handling everything that he decides to put in you, you're going to shipwreck. And if you shipwreck, you have to understand that this thing is not all about you. That if you shipwreck, not only your life will be destroyed, but there's other people's lives who are at stake as well. The life of your children are at stake. The life of your grandchildren are at stake. The life of your friends are at stake. There are people who are watching your life to see how you're going to handle the situation. Their lives are at stake. God has greater things for you, but we have to learn how to wait on God. I encourage you today to continue listening for next week for part two of Change Me, O God. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for this teaching today. God, we want you to come in and change us, O God, creating us a clean heart, renew a right spirit. Help us, O God, to learn how to wait on you, Father. Lord, you have many things in store for us, but teach us how to wait, O Father. Lord, we just thank you. We bless your name. Those who are on the sound of my voice, those who are not saved, God, we ask that you would just come into their life today, creating them a clean heart, renew a right spirit. A God, allow them to accept you as their personal savior today. 
life to be able to trust in you that you have their best interest in heart. Lord, we love you and we magnify you. It is in your son Jesus name we pray. Amen. On next week, we'll be covering David's triumphs. So we encourage you to come back and take a look at David's impressive resume and all that God allowed him to conquer as he continued to go through his wait to be king. As always, we thank you for joining us here on Yasha Young and sharing his anointing. We greatly appreciate your support on our Let's Rap podcast. I and Elder Walker love you, but always remember, God loves you more. Until the next time, have a blessed day.